So what exactly is the difference between a cafe creme and a cappuccino? Because it's exactly the same thing. It's the same thing. But, but it's like foamy. No, it's uh, the noise. Cappuccino is not foamy. It's kind of, but it's still just hot milk. Yeah, because it a is. Because cafe creme is foamy as well. Mm -hmm. There is no difference unless the cup size is different. We can ask that question, but I don't think it is. I think it's just because cappuccino is like more fancy, they put a higher price on it. Honestly, yeah. it comes from the same machine, same cupping exactly. rate. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's crazy. Bonjour tout le monde, welcome to another episode of Presque Parisienne. I'm your co-host Dilara, joined by your other co-host Kelly. Bonjour tout le monde, and today me and Dilara are recording in a cafe brasserie called Les Trois Frères on Boulevard Diderot. Uh, we decided to come and record here for various reasons today. It wasn't our first choice, but we're sitting on a lovely terrace and we're having some coffee. Uh, I live right nearby, that's why we actually chose this place. We were not supposed to meet here at all. We were supposed to meet at another cafe in the 6th around uh, Boulevard Saint-Germain. Uh, however, there's a big protest happening there today, which we completely forgot about. <laughs> Yeah, so I was on the quay heading towards the Assembly Nationale and all the quay was closed and some of the metros were closed and there was police tape everywhere. So I kind of thought to myself, yeah, there's probably bound to be a protest somewhere, but because it's a Sunday, it's quite unusual. And then you called and told me that you were completely blocked somewhere else. Exactly, I was on the other side and the streets connecting to Boulevard Saint-Germain to where I am were all blocked by police barricades. Yeah. And I just like lost reception, I couldn't get anywhere. We decided to come here and yeah, it's a beautiful cafe. It's placed on a boulevard though, so there's going to be lots of background noise. Be prepared folks. What's today's topic, Delara? We'll be visiting a quite practical topic this week. It can be seen as a bit of a burden for some people or fun for yeah. some others. Mm -hmm. Today we'll be talking about shopping, running errands, so basically how to get stuff done. We think this episode could be helpful for anyone who enjoys discovering local shopping as a tourist or anyone who's recently moved to Paris and still trying to figure out how to get the best value uh, for their money's worth. I'm personally very interested in finding the best products at affordable prices, whether it's where I live or when I travel or figuring out who to call when my sink is leaking, for example. <laughs> yeah. And I really wished someone introduced this kind of a guide to me when I moved here. And just a kind reminder, everything we talk about in this episode, we will try to put them in the show notes. Ah, merci beaucoup. Merci. I think that's why it's more expensive. Yeah, I think it's more expensive because it's a fancy glass yeah. with like foam and this weird bent spoon. <laughs> this is this is what I'm paying my five fifty for. I now know where my where my extra eighty cent is going. <laughs> well, I'm again having cafe gourmand. This is becoming a tradition now. I forgot to ask cafe Olonger, so apparently I'm having espresso. Anyway, should we get into this, Kelly? Let's get. Let's we get are in. already two hours late to record. <laughs> This thing. Let's get this done. Let's get into it. Maybe before we talk about places where we go to to get shit done, uh, should we talk about a little bit shopping habits? Because like online shopping is becoming more and more common here, but maybe not that much. I believe you have some numbers around there. Yeah, so if we take a look at the e-commerce industry as a whole, 
Um, France is sits at number eight worldwide. Um, US is number two and China is number one. And if we want to look at what e-commerce users in France buy the most, it's actually fashion that comes in at 56%, followed by accommodation and then uh, shoes randomly. <laughs> I but actually I kind of get that because um, shoes in this city generally super expensive, super expensive for shoes. Yeah. I guess the, also due to the unfortunate fast fashion industry, this could be the case. So these numbers seem legit to me. I don't know how much online shopping you do personally. Me, I use the sites that I trust. Yeah. And I know what sites I don't like to use. <laughs> uh, I think it's safe to say uh, we cannot say the name of the platform we are both not using due to uh, personal and political, I would yeah. say, reasons. So I guess on top of like the, the most common products that are getting bought online, there's apps popping up like HelloFresh. Um, these these places that give you like boxed recipes and you know it's kind of apparently good for the environment because there's less waste. And then there's also apps like um, Too Good to Go, which That's is an app, yeah. which is an app here in Paris for um, boulangeries and for um, it's also for groceries, shopping, primer. Because I think the concept of it is that you can pay like maybe five or seven and get like a box of mm -hmm. stuff and you, you don't, don't you don't get the choice of, of what it is but it just comes exactly. as a the most common way of shopping here is mostly visiting multiple shops that specializes in doing one kind of a thing yeah. instead of buying everything at one place yeah I mean at least that's how I do it how my close friend circle does it I guess this can be maybe related to uh, city life versus suburban countryside life I'm gonna mention Osman again <laughs> Listeners are going to get sick of him. You love Houseman. <laughs> it's it's going to sound like that. It's really not the case. But he built the around this month so that you work, you live, you shop within your neighborhood. And I guess like if you live outside of the city, not everything is accessible. So driving to multiple shops to run errands becomes very time consuming yeah. and also not ecological. Coming from living in big cities, I've always done it this way, like going to different shops. So I'm also like one of those people who like to shop local, support small shops. Uh, so there are multiple influential factors around this, I would say. But I think your approach is a bit different on this, right? As I live in Le Creme Lambisette now, uh -huh. um, it's, there's very limited choice. There is a commercial centre that has a hypermarché, that mm -hmm. there's no smaller sort of um, they shops around. They tend to be massive. It is massive. I've been to one in Fontainebleau and I got lost in it. Like, uh, <laughs> it's it is, so yeah. big. Um, these would be called your grand surface, you know, mm -hmm. these places that have multiple departments. So if you go to like a big monoprix, for example, you'll pay less than if you go to like a small front prix, which is like a smaller kind of corner supermarket, mm -hmm. or even like a Carrefour City. Now these are super convenient because they are everywhere and they're, most of them are open on a Sunday, which is kind of good as well. Yeah, and I think like also Monoprix actually is one of the most expensive ones. However, uh, they do so many promotions, but what is really inconvenient, what I find is, same product, the same brand, the same size would be different in different kind of uh, shops, in different like in Frampri, in Carrefour City, in Monoprix, in Auchan, in Lidl, whatever, they would have a different price and I find that really um, unjust actually. Mm. So what you've just said reminds me of something that we both learned about just in the last few weeks, um, which is something called shrinkflation. Yeah. Um, so shrinkflation is when supermarkets start to sell the same product at a smaller size but keep the price the same 
and at the moment um, Carrefour is the major supermarket chain that is actually starting to flag that on supermarket shelves. Um, gonna give consumers a little bit more of uh, awareness. Yeah, I mean there is the global inflation happening all worldwide right now. So yes, it's happening in France as well. Um, brands are cheating to keep the prices at the same level. So it's really good the supermarkets are calling out on this. Aside from these big or like small supermarkets, there are also these convenience stores that are called Epistry. The name is a bit confusing because Epistry means a store that actually sells spices. Uh, which was the case back in the Middle Age, uh, but they changed during the 18th uh, century and became these stores that included not just spices, but dry and fresh food, as well as like drug store, store products uh, for hygiene and maintenance. Uh, the concept was you would give your shopping list to the grocer and then he would just uh, weigh things and put them in like packages and give it to you. But obviously, during the 19th century, uh, more packaged products started arriving to these little shops. And actually, a trend initiated, guess which country? The US, in 1912, that spread across the world, which is self-service. So these grocery stores are actually the origins of uh, supermarkets. Uh, in current France, these epiceries, they are not in the same concept anymore. However, they are, I would say, always ran by immigrants. Uh, they are definitely much more pricier than uh, supermarkets, but as they're open late hours and including Sundays and bank holidays, yeah. it's a convenient to have them in a busy city like Paris, and that's how they make their income, basically. Yeah, I think I, I've shopped in a city that are country specific, if you know what I mean. So there's like um, an, a there's an Iranian epicity in the fifteenth. Um, there's like Lebanese, or you know, you can go to places where you can find real specialities. Um, there's another one. There's a Portuguese one uh, in the Kremlin set, which is kind of like an epicity. Yeah, and I still buy like the Turkish food that I want to buy at a Turkish epicery. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. Since we're on the topic of like buying food. <laughs> Uh, let's look into boulangerie, pâtisserie and chocolaterie. A boulangerie is usually a bakery, whereas a pâtisserie is a bakery that specializes only in pastries and sweets. And a chocolaterie is a chocolate shop, basically. I never had a sweet tooth uh, and I've slowly started developing one since I started living in France because as we mentioned in the food episode, cooking and baking here is really a form of art. Yeah. France is the country, I looked into this, um, that has the most amount of boulangerie pâtisseries in Europe, okay. which is about 35,000. Uh, in the same source, I found this information, I, fo I, I found this hilarious. Uh, they say that in France, there are 16 million baguettes that are being fabricated daily. Okay. <laughs> uh, is that so all? <laughs> it feels like it should be more than that. Um, but my partner said the same thing. <laughs> I already thought like this was a lot. I mean, if everyone was to get their fair share, it would mean a quarter of baguette per person a day, which I guess is fair. Yeah, okay. Numbers aside though, for any of these bakeries, if you want to have a good experience, I would suggest you go to an artisanal one. Uh, for viennoiserie and bread, you can go to a boulangerie. Uh, but they also do pâtisserie because it's more expensive and gives them revenue. But if you would like to have like a special pastry experience, I would suggest uh, you go to a pâtisserie. And same for the chocolate, because once you taste artisanal chocolate here, 
it's really really hard to eat uh, industrial ones after that and then um, for the for the patisseries as well there's like a lot of patisseries around here that are run by famous pastry chefs yes. um, obviously if it's like a super famous French pastry chef you want to go and taste their their actual specialties so after boulangerie and patisserie, I guess we can look uh, also at fromagerie and cremerie. Um, there's not a huge difference, obviously a fromagerie cheese shop and a cremerie is like a dairy shop, so they would sell like milk and yogurt and all this kind of stuff, whereas, a, whereas in a cheese shop you may not get the same products or the same range of products. Me, I really enjoy fromagerie. I didn't have a palate for cheese when I first came here. I didn't, it wasn't very, you know, I ate a lot of cheddar cheese as a kid, but I've been told by French people that that doesn't count and it's not real cheese. So I had to kind of try and can I get my palate accustomed to like more mm -hmm. sort of stronger cheeses and the cheese shop is the best place to do that. I was never a fan of goat cheese. There was a, a guy in a cheese stall who was like, well you're wrong. He literally was like, you're wrong for not liking goat cheese. And he cut me a slice of this, it was like a hard goat cheese from the Pyrenees. And he cut me a slice of it and, I, and it was like one of the best cheeses I've ever eaten since then. I now have a palate for goat cheese and it's grown and that's what I love about um, being able to go to these places because you can actually be open to new flavours and new tastes. So if you want to buy a little gift or have a little um, gift for yourself, yeah. I would definitely suggest going to a fromagerie yeah. and have that experience. And don't be shy about like asking yeah. uh, to taste because these local shops are only here to help you yeah. and make business. So they're nice people. Exactly. All these little shops actually exist in the farmer's market and I personally love going to them because they're always cheaper than supermarkets and you can buy all fresh and local products at the same place. I think this is also because my family did it this way too. We would always like go uh, to the farmer's market at the end of the day uh, to get the leftover products as a, at a cheaper price because like we didn't have a lot of money. Each arrondissement has its own market and each market is usually open at least once or twice a week most of them are set up during the morning up until like 2 p.m. but there are some afternoon ones as well some of the stands are buying their products at Marché International de Rangy, and some of them are actually producers themselves. Uh, for example, since I moved from, to the 12th uh, and I had to change my markets, we now always buy the same uh, from the same fish stand because we know that they just uh, they have their own boat and they just fished it out of the water. So like, if you keep going to the same market all the time, you're gonna end up knowing the stands and where to buy them. Paris currently has 95 markets. Not all of them are farmer's markets though. Uh, I mean, uh, we'll just leave the list on the show notes again if you're interested in doing this. Um, I know for some people it can be intimidating to go to these places because it's not really self-service and you obviously have to speak French and have the right vocabulary and it's also a loud place with merchants trying to get their products sold out so they're like yelling prices and like shouting at you. How about we talk about a little bit of clothes shopping? Uh, we really want to do an entire sub-episode on fashion, but most commonly asked question I found on the internet, like on forums, Reddit and stuff, people are very interested in knowing where Parisians buy their clothes. I guess the first and most obvious place we would go to would be Forum Les Alpes. 
So the forum that we know now was inaugurated only in 2018, which for me is pretty recent. Yeah. 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 So in this building, which I have to admit is an ugly building and I really dislike it, um, but in this building you will find a lot of high street stores, uh, cafes, nothing really traditionally Paris, I guess. And it's also like a major hub for the transportation system because you have true. the you have the RER and you have the metro all running through the hall all the time. Yeah, and uh, not very close from there, uh, there is Rue Rivoli, uh, which is close to the Marais, and on that street there are way too many shops to buy clothes from uh, fast fashion to mid-range yeah. and if you want high-end products then I would say shopping malls like Galerie Lafayette, BHV in the Marais, uh, Printemps uh, or Bon Marché is the oldest shopping uh, center in Paris and I, ha I recently visited it like uh, a couple of months ago. It's massive, very expensive yeah. but the building is very pretty. Yeah. I was actually going to say that about Galleries Lafayette, the only reason I go is to see the dome and like have a just wander uh -huh. around the building because it's so beautiful on the inside and then also to go to the roof to yes. see the view of Paris as yes, nice. very true. And then if you're more into like uh, boutique shopping, then there are a lot of a lot of little boutiques in the Marais. Uh, personally, I cannot afford those to shop in those places, Same. but they are very pretty. And if you also are interested in more like cheaper products than in the Grand Surface that you mentioned, Katie, like Monoprix, if Monoprix has a home, uh, Monoprix home, uh, then they would sell clothes. I think in Ocean they sell it as well. Yep. I personally used to buy all my clothes from Turkey up until very recently because Turkey is where majority of the brands are actually manufacturing their products and it's a big uh, source for leather as well. Um, and also it was more affordable for me to shop there but I, I'm, I'm really interested in fashion I like buying clothes and I'm trying to be more mindful of this that's why we said we want to do an episode on fashion but if you want to be more mindful about what you're buying and consuming less then there is a third thing which is Fripri uh, where you buy uh, secondhand vintage uh, clothes there are a lot of little shops I cannot name uh, all of them because there are tons of them but in the Marais, you can find some in the streets of Montmartre, uh, close to Republic. And there are also kilo shops where you buy the products by weighing them. You can really find anything from haute couture brands like uh, Chanel, Dior, like those vintage pieces, or high-end brands like uh, Comptoir des Cotonnières or Cezanne, and also fast fashion brands. Another place where you can A, donate your clothes and B, shop for clothes. Uh, it's not just clothes actually, it's furniture, books, anything. It's called uh, Emmaus. Emmaus was founded uh, right after World War II by a priest known as Abbe uh, Pierre uh, to help the homeless. He was a member of the French resistance during the war and later he also became a member of the parliament. Yeah, there's actually a movie coming out about him soon. I saw a trailer oh, really? for it, yeah. But it's an excellent place to give away your old stuff. And they resell these products and the revenue goes to the homeless. Yeah. 
There are also like websites like Le Bon Coin or Vincent to resell your products. But I recently saw a post from an executive from Emmaus on LinkedIn actually saying that these kind of places are killing their source of revenue. Uh, I guess it's a choice. Yeah. You've just moved to Paris. You've got yourself your apartment. How'd you get some furniture in there? Yeah. So in Paris city centre, there is Ikea. There's places called Conforma, Maison du Mont, Leroy Merlin, all these kind of places. Obviously, some of these shops specialise more in one thing or the other. Everyone knows what Ikea is. Um, <laughs> however, I would probably recommend not going to Ikea in Madeleine. Uh, because it's a nightmare. Oh uh, yeah, Ikea, I don't know. It's again a choice because like you buy your stuff in boxes and you can get them immediately the, uh, at the place. Because like if you go to, I don't know, like Conforoma or Maison du Monde, uh, one thing I learned, uh, you cannot get the furniture immediately because it's only the products that they show on display and you have to wait like two minimum yeah. to eight weeks to get your furniture delivered. Yeah. So again, it comes to, if you have the time to wait, <laughs> yeah. then yes. Do you remember when we went to Ikea that day when you had to change your toilet seat? I know, because I bought it in a bigger suburban Ikea and I could not return it in the city centre Ikea. And yeah. I was walking around with a big toilet seat in my house. <laughs> and you were so confused as to, how do I exchange this toilet seat? Yeah, for some reason that was a disastrous trip to Ikea as well. Honestly, I have never had a good trip to Ikea since I've lived here. Yeah, same here, same here. <laughs> Another thing about getting a flat in Paris is that you might want to do a little bit of travel or a little bit of DIY. Yeah. Uh, so if you do, then I would highly recommend going to see uh, Leroy Merlin. Yes. It's one of my favourite big stores to visit. And also... <laughs> Kelly takes my boyfriend there because I cannot stand to be in those stores. <laughs> and we and Jeremy have a wonderful time. Um, so we go to Leroy Merlin and the other one is a Bricorama. Yeah. Um, you can find like all your kind of standard tools and all that sort of stuff. And if you come here like me with no money but obsessed with having antiques because that's what you thought a Parisian had in their homes, you can go to Marché du Puce or Rue d'Alésia. There are some uh, antique shops there. And I did buy my sideboard from Rue d'Alésia, which I paid all my salary on. <laughs> and I still have it with me. Uh, but yeah, also there's like uh, Vide Grenier, which is like a garage sale where you can find that kind of stuff. And again, for second hand, you can look into Le Bon Coin or Emmaüs, as I mentioned before. And on top of that, each hand on these one tends to have, like, well, during the summer, they would have a brocal, which is, you know, people selling what looks like a lot of second hand stuff. Exactly. Uh, and you can find everything at a brocal. Um, I guess also around here there's lots of one euro stores, there's little shops that I like to call everything shops which you can buy like little electrics and like things like that and those, are te those tend to be quite small little shops with like bazaar on the sign Yes. Um, so you find a lot of those as well. One of my favourites is Ajifi. We're right next door, is right there. <laughs> I love Ajifi, there's one just opposite my apartment and it's cheap and it's practical and yeah I love Ajifi. It used to be called Tati when I first moved here and it wasn't as common and then like I think Jiffy bought it all and then they started popping around but there were only two Tatis in, this, uh, in Paris back then and I had to take the metro to buy all my plates, all my cups, all the way to Montmartre, Pigalle. I put them in a luggage, I went there with a luggage, I like 
decorated my entire kitchen through there because it's affordable. Yeah. Because when you go to a monop even a monopoly, a, a plate is like five euros. Yes, so expensive. when you don't have money, you cannot buy yeah. everything there. So I went to um, I went to Jiffy about two weeks ago and like I have a card because my, my GP is so close to my apartment I'm there I bought loads of stuff there and I get to the till with the with the woman and she as she looks at me and she says do you have a GP account and then stops and says oh you're Blair <laughs> and I stopped and I was like uh-huh and she was like I totally recognize you and I recognize your accent so I remembered your name how nice was that I was like, I'm the only Scottish person in the Kremlin be sent in this this woman in Jiffy because I go there so often. She's remembered the fact that I have a customer account. I thought that was pretty nice. That's pretty nice, and I think that's also a sign of like you've settled here. Like yeah. shop owners know you. Yes, you exactly. Know? I love customer service like that, and I have to say that like um, my shopping experiences on the high street stores in Paris tends to be pretty negative quite a lot of the yeah. time. So I used to work in retail like a long time ago mm -hmm. and it was it was a, sh a store called HMB which was a bit like a Fnac. Oh okay. Um, mm -hmm. here. If there was a queue of people at the till and there was only one person serving, you were expected to go and get that queue down. Otherwise yeah. like your manager would have come down on you like a ton of bricks. The, the, the thing is you always have to serve your customers first. That doesn't actually seem to happen here. And I don't know if this is something that just is happening now because that was like nearly 20 years ago. So is it something that's just happening now that we're accepting that high street uh, stores don't give good service or is it actually a Parisian thing? I can't actually tell and it frustrates me so much. Customer service is not really good here. I would say the same. In Turkey as well, customers always come first. I know like in countries we see these like extreme cases like US where like people are really bossy about like customers coming first and becoming a like, Karen. Sure. So that's obviously not how we want to sound like, but it is very true yeah. that here it can be um, frustrating and it happened to me in an electronics store, uh, Darty. I'm a loyal customer of Darty, but this one time, this one person just would not accept to help me because they could not understand my name. I spelled it out, I gave them my card, and she was like, no, I cannot read your name from your card. It was just, and no one else would help me but her, and there were like many people behind her. Yeah. So these kind of experiences do get you very frustrated, I agree. I mean, I don't want to go into a store, you mentioned like uh, American customer service. Yeah. I don't want to go into a store and have someone in my face, can I help you, all this missing your radio, that kind of cliched stuff. Yeah. I don't want that either. Me neither. All I want is to not waste my time standing in a queue when you have enough people to make sure that I can just go on with my day, you know? Exactly, exactly. Uh, I guess this could fit right in about like shopping habits here because on Sundays, shops used to be closed in France. And then Sarkozy passed a law during his presidency to allow shops to open. And it was voted again in 2015 and now it's called uh, La Loi de Macron, I think. Uh, but before then, actually, uh, all shops were closed on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's, it's still kind of the case in the Kremlin where I live. I think every second Sunday, like the full shopping centre closes. Um, but I really like this. I like that you can go into Paris on a Sunday and these little boutiques are closed, the streets are quieter. Um, 
I like the fact that they're maintaining this tradition of like, you know, Sunday day of rest. Definitely. Um, you mentioned it during our Parisian Life episode as well. Uh, Sundays are a quiet, calm day for resting and I believe it should stay that way. Also, if you live in Paris, at a certain point in your time here, you will definitely have an emergency plumbing or locksmith problem. Do you agree? Yes, 100%. <laughs> I've lived here for six years and I have had both. Um, not multiple times, but they were both memorable, yes. Yeah. In English, you call this métier, this job, a tradesman? Tradesman. Tradesman, yeah. right? So artisan, I think they're called artisan also, <laughs> here in France. So one uh, piece of advice, if you have been locked out of your uh, apartment and you need to call a locksmith, uh, do not call the number that was left in your mailbox, no. in your post, post box, because you would get every now and then that list of numbers. Do not call that number. <laughs> I don't know who that person is, but there's a lot of scam happening with locksmiths. Um, it happened to a friend of mine in La Rochelle. He ended up paying 1,500 euros for a locksmith who actually did not show up. Right. It was payment in advance. Imagine the scale of the scam here. Oh, wow, okay. Plus, like, one of one part of the scam is that they say, um, you see these locksmith shops, and then at the door they would say, 100 euros to open your door. Now, opening door, what does that mean? They can break your door, they can break your lock, they can show up and do that, but yeah. there's follow-up work after that. Yeah. So you pay 100 euros just to get that open, and yeah. then you need a new lock, yeah. and that would cost you like 300 plus. Yeah. And it's pretty similar with plumbers as well, but recently I found this website, again, none of the stuff we give here uh, folks are ads, plombier.com, I'll put it in the show notes, best experience I've ever had. I've been living in my new apartment for two years. We already had to call a plumber three times yeah. uh, for blockage, for leakage, whatever. The prices set in the beginning is perfect, like knowing that you're not going to get scammed. Should we? Because uh, there is also a thing called like rat catchers, deratisateurs. There is, I don't know how to say this. Deratiseur. Deratiseur, yes, like to catch rats and also bed bugs. Wow, and because. Bed bugs. This has been a massive topic on social media uh, about like Paris spreading bedbugs and now they're in London and now they're going to travel to the US and people yeah. are like scammermongering. Scaremongering. Yeah, that word. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you ever have an issue with the bedbugs? I have never had bedbugs. And this problem with bedbugs, like I didn't know about it. I didn't see anything on social media about it until, like, oh. an, until an American friend of mine contacted me and said, what about the bedbugs? And then someone in Scotland asked me about it as well. What's happening with the bedbugs? And I was what are you all talking about? I, I always knew that bedbugs were a problem in Paris yeah. anyway, but I didn't know that it turned into this big, massive epidemic, I guess, of bedbugs. Yeah, I think uh, uh, my colleagues from the UK asked me about it. I heard about it in US podcast, people talking about it. Somehow anyone who visited Paris during the fashion week or whatever, uh, bed bugs are super hard to get rid of like you literally need to burn down your apartment yeah. to get rid of them <laughs> so I can understand why people are scared but we recently changed our bed not because we had bed bugs but because like my cat takes a lot of space now and we need to have a bigger bed and in that bed shop 
uh, they actually told me, yeah, it is true, like, this is happening. She's like, I'm seeing customers coming in every day. But right. this issue, so, yes, there is an issue. We bought this protecting thing to put on the bed that, like, stays on for two years and doesn't allow bed bugs to get in, whatever. Yeah. So we took the protection needed, yeah. but I haven't met anyone who had the issue. Yeah. I don't deny it's happening. I'm not a bed bug denier, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I'm sure it's happening. It's just I'm the same. I haven't personally heard of anyone who's had a major problem with it. Um, I've seen some gross videos on Instagram, but mm. no one I know personally has been affected by this. In this day and age with Instagram, TikTok, like these videos spread so yeah. massively and they grow out of scale. Almost like the bed bugs themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to cosmetics. Okay. Um, where do you buy your like cosmetic stuff? If it's like a, a, a cleanser or something proper for my skin, mm-hmm. um, I would probably go to a pharmacy for that because mm-hmm. I, I need something very specific for my skin type. Uh-huh. Um, makeup and stuff, I don't wear a huge amount of makeup, mm-hmm. um, but when I have to replace that, I would go to Sephora. I don't go there anymore. Mm-hmm. No. But you don't get it from like the supermarkets, right? No, no yeah. one would buy it from supermarkets. Me either. Uh, I used to do it when I was younger, but with age, <laughs> you need just better quality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Yeah, but it's true that I also buy everything. I don't wear a ton of makeup as uh, like you, uh, but every skincare product I have is either Korean, but everything that's French, I buy it at a pharmacy. And here, um, I want to mention the difference of a pharmacy and a parapharmacy. A pharmacy is a place where you can buy medicine prescribed to you by a doctor, whereas a parapharmacy is a place where you can only buy beauty and hygiene products. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay, I never knew that. Uh, and you asked me before, where I do I do online shopping? I do my online shopping on big uh, parapharmacy e-commerce websites. Right, okay. Because I've, I cannot go around in every single pharmacy around the, uh, my neighborhood to check if they have promotions. So I follow the sales yeah. and that's how I do it. Yeah. Um, so many pharmacies. Yes, I have numbers for you. <laughs> I looked into this. There are about 21,000 pharmacies in France. Uh, you have to have 2,500 inhabitants in a city in order to open a pharmacy and for the second one is 4,500 so there are rules and regulations around it right. and I really want to talk about that TikTok trend that blew up uh-huh. in uh, the US yeah. there were all these like beauty influencers started talking about like how French skincare products are so good and like you should go to French pharmacies to buy uh, skincare products uh-huh. but they were recommending stuff stuff like Biofin right. which is a burn cream as a daily moisturizer oh, you use wow. Biofin only like every French household has this cream yeah. because if you burn yourself it's really good for healing right. but it is not good for daily skincare sure. so there is like a lot of misinformation going around this which I found really dangerous yeah imagine misinformation on Instagram who would have, who'd have thought <laughs> that influencers were given this misinformation I for one am shocked <laughs> The cynicism of Kelly. <laughs> but yeah, talking about like uh, skincare, cosmetics, that kind of stuff, I want to talk a little bit about self care because I come from a uh, pampering culture. Uh, like a lot of coiffure, manicure, waxing, all that kind of stuff in Turkey is very common. You would 
like you know a boulangerie is in every street corner here in Turkey a yeah. uh, hairdresser right. is on the street corner in, on, on every street corner and it's not that expensive I have met people who never wash their hair they only go to the hairdressers to do it yeah but here I found it a little, little bit more expensive I guess this is also related to like any job you do with your hands right. is very much appreciated here I don't know how was it in Scotland like were you into that pampering stuff um, only for special occasions I would maybe go to like a spa treatment or something oh, okay. you know but for me it wasn't something that actually interested me personally but I do know that there are like a lot of beauty salons uh, a lot of manicurists and stuff within like mm -hmm. within well, in Glasgow um, I had a look at like a website for some salons in Glasgow just to do a bit of research and uh, some of the most expensive things seems to be like eyelash extensions and oh. brows Manicures and facials in Glasgow start around like twenty pounds, I guess. Okay. Um, there is a definite demand for it in the city. It's just it was never my thing. Okay. Um, and I also saw like you can do like a chin wax and a forehead wax. Oh, like, okay. Do women in Glasgow have hairy foreheads? If anyone in Glasgow wants to shine a light on this for me, can you please email me at our Preska Parisian podcast email address because I want to know what a forehead. It could be for men. Because I know in Turkey that exists for men. I because I come from that pampering culture, I still continue it, but not on a regular basis because it's expensive. Yeah. I realize that all all these like manicure places always have Chinese or Indian workers, yeah. uh, and I have no idea if they're like their big boss is a French person buys the salon and get these workers there. I, I have no idea how it works. And they always speak their language between each other, so there's not like a lot of exchange. Right. I like talking to these kind of people, <laughs> like when I'm getting pampering service. And if you go to like the same person over and over again, you spill the tea, you start gossiping and that kind of stuff. That's very common in Turkey. And I kind of miss that here. So with everything we talked about today, Kelly, uh, what would you say the overall shopping attitude in France is? Like, do the French shoppers prefer quality over quantity and French made versus international made? Absolutely, yes. I think um, the, if you think about France as a country of artisans for food, for fashion, for all these things that you can have homegrown in the country that you live in, yeah. then yes, absolutely, I believe that, they would, I believe that yeah, French people would rather buy French um, rather than international. Um, but obviously, times are changing. It's not yeah. quite as traditional anymore. Um, there's also like the economic factor to consider Definitely. for buying in cheaper products and people wanting to find cheaper products. People want the convenience of online shopping. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that there is um, there is still a, a lot of French pride in manufacturing and producing these things. However, you know, like any other country in the world, like they, they have to adapt to the economic uh, situation that they're in. Yeah, but bing, 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 I would say you won the prize because I found an article that was done, a research in 2023. It does say, although I don't know how legit this article is, yes. it does say French do prefer quality over quantity and French made versus international made. So Delara, do we have a quote today? Yes, we do. It's from this uh, French journalist, Michel Pollack, uh, from his book, Hors de Soi. So this was in French. We had to trans I had to translate this to English. Create to live or live to create. That's the difference between an artist and an artisan. Yeah. 
What do you think? It's, I think it's true, yes, absolutely. It's just that here in France, maybe it's similar in other European countries, the arts work that you create with your hands as an artist and the food or whatever product that you create with your hands are seen as a creation and it's very much valued and I think it's really really nice to still have these uh, professions going yes. on and continuing the tradition. So that closes off this episode today. If you would like to leave any comments or have any questions and feel free to hit us up on Instagram or send us an email, both of those are in the show notes. And um, don't forget that whatever platform you're listening to our podcast on, if you can rate us, we would really, really appreciate it. Until next time, ciao. Au revoir.